You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Paul said, I am the least of God's servants and I'm still going to serve. He didn't use his past as an excuse to not serve God. He used his past forgiven as his motivation for serving God. You see how we get twisted up in our minds? We think that because we made a mistake that somebody else would be better off doing what God's calling us to do. It is the very reason, the very fact that God saved you is why you should serve Him. Are you using your past as an excuse not to serve God? Maybe you felt unworthy because of the sins you have done in your past and that is stopping you from fully serving God. Or maybe you feel like someone else can serve better than you could. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but luckily, we have grace. Today, Pastor Gary will empower you to embrace the grace that God has given you. He wants to use you for His glory. Don't let the enemy stop you from accepting the gift God has given you. Now, here's Pastor Gary in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 as he begins his message, When Grace Gets Embraced. When grace gets embraced, you see, you've got to understand the ground rules of grace to appreciate it and to benefit from it at maximum capacity. Grace is not to be abused. Grace is not to be frustrated. But when properly embraced, grace is the only thing that will produce maximum glory for God through yours and my life. That's it. It's not the works of our own hands or the works of our own righteousness, but it's the full embrace of God's grace in our lives. So let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, what? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, told you so, <laughs> that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Little footnote, it is not saying that he has chosen to save you regardless of your personal will towards the matter. It's not that he predestines your eternal existence. And, you know, there's this crowd of believers today that believe in five-point Calvinism. We're not going to get into that too much tonight, but there are certain people that actually believe that you're going to get saved whether you want to or not, and if, you, if God don't mean for you to get saved, then you're not going to get saved, and there's nothing you can do about it, and that's not biblical. And I'm glad that some of you act surprised that people even believe that way, but there are people that actually think that way. You'll not find that in the Bible. You'll find maybe a verse that you might twist to try to convince people of that. But the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon. I believe in a whosoever gospel, don't you? And the Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So don't tell me there are certain people God don't want to save. That's hogwash. Footnote. You're welcome. Verse 5, having predestined. Now, what does he predestined us to do? Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Back up to verse 4. I'm sorry. What did he pre- it said? According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What he's saying is his predetermined plan for the believer is that you live for God. His redemptive plan is so that we can have a chance at serving God and living out his original plan for our existence to start with, with which is to praise him. Why did God put us here to give praise and glory to him? What does Satan do in the garden whenever he lied to Eve and caused Eve to doubt God's word? Well, he robbed her of her praise and her ability to give God glory with her life and wrecked and ruined. It would become a train wreck for all of uh, human history. And what is the redemptive plan? Is to restore fallen man back to his original state and purpose, which is to bring us back to a place where we can bring glory and honor to God. His predetermined will for every one of his children, every one of his creatures, is that they might glorify God, and we can't glorify God when sin is between us and God. The predetermined will of God is that everyone be saved and bring glory and honor to him. That's his purpose for humanity. Amen? Now, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice God gets pleasure out of redeeming mankind. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, of his grace, notice the word grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm going to stop reading there for a few minutes. And I'm going to begin teaching on when grace gets embraced i love verse six to the praise of the glory of his grace and how magnificent and glorious his grace indeed is we sing it all the time amazing grace how sweet the sound (laughs) Mm, that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found i was blind but now i see how glorious and how amazing is his grace tonight And the Bible says of his grace, it is wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Number one, when grace gets embraced, you need to understand this. We serve humbly. We serve humbly. This speaks of our position as servants of Christ. If the Bible said that it is not of works, lest any man should what? Boast, not of works, lest any man should boast or brag. In other words, one of the things that grace does is teaches us a good lesson and gives us a good dose of humility. It is a constant reminder that we serve him not because we earned the right to serve him. We serve him because grace made it possible. I am therefore a candidate to serve God. And don't you let any man disqualify you for something they remembered that you did in your past when God don't even remember it. Hello. Amen. 
And it's a good lesson of humility. And when you really fully embrace the grace of God, you're forced to serve with humility because it is your own mistakes that you have been forgiven of that are the tools that God uses to keep you humble. Lest you look at others as if they're, uh, you're better off than them or as if you are better than them. No, you can't serve others pretending to be better than they are. You have to admit, like Paul the Apostle admitted in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said, y'all, y'all know who I was before I met Jesus. I even persecuted, and in some cases, Paul murdered Christians for their faith. I'm serving God is certainly not because I qualify as a, I don't have a great portfolio. I don't have a great past to boast of, and I certainly am not qualified based on the merits of my own behavior. He said, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that's humility. And you'll only be as effective as you are humble. Can I say that again? You will only be as effective as you are humble. The more full of pride you are, the less effective you will be when it comes to the gospel of God's grace. Because you neither understand it nor embrace it. To fully embrace grace is to look in the mirror of God's word and accept the fact that the only reason you're embracing grace is because grace embraced you first. <laughs> we love him because he first loved us. Amen. I, I don't have any bragging rights. I, I was a mess. I was a wretch. I was in trouble with God, and there's still some days, if you really saw all of me, you wouldn't like, uh, you get to see the highlight reel of my life on Facebook, you don't get to see those moments of weakness that I dare not tell you, because I don't want you to know everything that I struggle with, and neither do you want me to know everything you struggle with, amen. We embrace grace, because grace embraced us, and therefore we serve with Humility. He goes on and says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Woo! That is a powerful statement. In other words, what Paul is saying is his grace is working its purpose in my life. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and just shout, I'm not qualified to serve God. I'm the least of his servants, and therefore I can't serve. No, Paul said, I am the least of God's servants, and I'm still going to serve. He didn't use his past as an excuse to not serve God. He used his past forgiven as his motivation for serving God. You see how we get twisted up in our minds? We think that because we made a mistake that somebody else would be better off doing what God's calling us to do. It is the very reason, the very fact that God saved you is why you should serve Him. The very fact that He forgave you is why you should serve Him. That's the whole purpose of the message of grace. Amen. He said, God's grace was bestowed upon me and it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly. Not less. I labored more abundantly than they all. <laughs> Yet not I, now he's quick to get humble again, yet not, not I, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see his humility? Whew. Powerful. Verse 11, therefore whether it 
were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. He said, it really don't matter at the end of the day who gets the credit as long as Jesus is preached and you believe the gospel. Now that's humility. That's humility. Amen. So when we fully embrace grace, we serve with humility. Point number one. Now, number two. Let's look back at our opening text, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. And then I'll give you the point. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. Look at the magnitude of these three verses that I just read. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I, I've been redeemed. That means I've been bought with the price. I've been purchased back. My sin debt has been paid in full. And so now the Lord has me in possession as His own. My sins have been forgiven and this is all according to the riches not of my ability to live right but His ability to forgive. Riches of His grace. Hmm. Wherein He hath, I love this next word, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. You see, what happens when God's grace redeems you, God's grace then qualifies you to receive from our Lord wisdom and prudence and all the benefits of serving the kingdom of God. It's because uh, once you were blind, but now you see, now that you see, you are given insight and wisdom and understanding from above that you previously were not privy to because of the grace of God. God has opened up heaven to bring it down to earth for whosoever will. And grace opens up a whole world of the kingdom of God and exposes it to us. And thereby we are recipients not just of salvation, but of wisdom, of prudence, and all the things that grace is meant to equip us with as we begin our journey in serving God. I see here then that it's bigger than just getting saved and warming a pew. It's serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he said, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. What other king reveals the mysteries of his heart to his followers? What other king does this, has a one-on-one conversation with his followers with the people that live in his kingdom most kings have a very small inner circle at best but what has he done he has rent the veil from top to bottom and said let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace and so number two when we fully embrace grace we serve honorably this is an honor to be able to serve such a, a, a person is God Almighty who is King of kings and 
Lord of Lords, understand the significance. This speaks of his position. When we talk about serving humbly, that speaks of our position. But when we talk about serving honorably, we're speaking of his position. We're speaking of who it is that we're serving. I mean, God is worthy. He was worthy of our praise for he ever saved us. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Don't be bothered if somebody who don't live right offers up a praise to God. God will take praise from anybody that has enough sense to give him praise because he's worthy of it. Amen? Amen. That's right. Now, understanding that who he is, that it is an honor to serve God. And when you understand how powerful grace is and what it has done for you and what it has enabled you to do, then you understand you're put in a place of honor and I'd rather say it this way, you're put in a place to honor someone bigger than yourself. We serve honorably. And grace enables you to do that. It boggles my mind to this day that he would want us to even serve him. I know that it's not because he needs us, but he wants us. And not only is it an honor to serve him, but we should seek to serve him honorably. You see that? And it's an honor. I mean, after all, he's earned the honor. What other king would even care for such lowly people as you and I? Amen. We didn't have nothing to offer him. We didn't have nothing to improve his status of power in the universe. We could not improve his kingdom. We cannot add to his majesty or his dominion or any of that. But he, because he made himself a servant, Jesus Christ became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. He became the most honorable. He has been given a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we've got to get our thinking up and realize that serving God is the most honorable thing that you can do with your life. It's more honorable than if you were to run for the president of the United States and become the president of the superpower of the world. I'm not impressed with earthly kingdoms and their domains and their seats of power. Not impressed. Because I've been serving the king of kings, and let me tell you something, he's on top of things. Amen. He is on top of things and every one of them earthly kings are going to bow to him and I serve him. I can go straight to the top and hear directly from him. What an honor. What a privilege. Oh, if we really understood what grace did for us, we would want to give him our best because he gave us his best. He earned the right. And he didn't, he earned it before he ever did what he did. But he even went beyond the call of duty for you and me. And so why wouldn't we serve him with honor? 1 Corinthians 6 20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we choose to live dishonorably as children of God, that's when we start walking in a place where we're abusing his grace. Amen. And that ought to make a difference in our choices, in our thoughts, in the places we go, the things we do, how we serve, what we do for God, what we don't do for the enemy, etc., etc., etc. 
So to fully embrace grace, we serve humbly, we serve honorably. Amen. And then I want to give you one more thing. Let's look at verses 10 through 12 real quickly of our text, Ephesians 1.10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. When he prayed for his disciples and when he prayed for us, he prayed that God would keep all that came to him. You know the third thing that grace will do? When we fully embrace grace, we serve with hope. This speaks of guaranteed possessions. This speaks of the fact that, according to Philippians 1.16, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That what grace starts, grace is able to finish in your life. This gives me hope that even though along the journey... As a frail human, I make mistakes. I even sin, yes, sometimes. Even as a Christian, that grace has got me covered. Not that I would abuse it, but that I would get back up again and keep going because that's the way God structured it. It's a built-in, foolproof system. <laughs> Woo, glory. Amen. In whom, verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance... You know what inheritance is, don't you? Something with your name on it. And it's something that legally belongs to you. <laughs> I've heard stories of people that didn't even know they had an inheritance. Some rich relative died, left something in their name. Years down the road, it was discovered. And of course, once it was discovered, they had to, by law, they had to delegate what was theirs to them. And they didn't even know it, but they had an inheritance. And it was legally, legitly theirs. Do you know that a lot of Christians there are living in the dark about what all they have in Christ? Don't even know how good they've got it. They've, they've allowed the devil to convince them that grace is not as good as we preach it. But let me tell you something. Grace is even better than I can preach it. Amen. Again, not to abuse it, not to frustrate it, but to embrace it fully and to let it be what it is. Mm. We have an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Grace gives God the leverage in our lives that he needs to get glory in an otherwise hopeless situation. <laughs> it's legit. It's legally sound. That accuser comes before God and has all these quote-unquote facts, but they're not even on heaven's record, and grace enables God to have the leverage he needs to work his purpose in our lives. That is powerful. Amen. When you fully embrace grace, it almost sounds too good to be true. Amen. Because <laughs> we want to work for it. We got to earn it. God's better to us than we are to ourselves. We'll give each other a harder time than God will. Amen. We'll put you on probation for six months. God doesn't say, what, what are you talking about? I don't forgive that. Hello. I'm talking about we have hope that in spite of my frailty, God can finish what he started in my life. Whoo. Mm. <laughs> God's plan is bigger than our plunder. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God's grace saves, God's grace sanctifies, and God's grace gives power to serve. 
It's all grace. It's not some grace. It's not mostly grace. Every bit of it's grace. It was grace that stood me up to preach me today. And it'll be grace that lays me down to sleep tonight. And if I do anything worthwhile that might be measured up as gold or silver, tried in the fire on judgment day, it'll be because grace did it in my life. I have hope that my life can be filled with purpose and bring glory and honor to God, not because Gary can keep it, but because God never intended for me to keep what I could not earn. Just pay my respects to Him and live in His grace and forgiveness and mercy and serve with the hope that God will get glory as long as I keep serving Him with humility and with honor. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, garycottle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. We'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please, prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Connell Ministries, 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. That's 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. Thank you for partnering with us, and thank you for listening today to True North.